This is episode 266 of the 200 Churches Podcast. So can we, can we take the best steps possible, not go to a place that's going to kill us, not, going, not go to a place that just wants uh, more from us than they want for us. And of all size churches, no matter the size church, if a, if a pastor leader says to me, we can't afford a middle school guy, can you send us a resident? To me, that's a red flag, you know. You have to want more for them than from them. Welcome to the 200 Churches Podcast, where every Wednesday we produce a legit episode of ministry encouragement for pastors of small churches. Now, here are two guys who have been encouraging thousands of pastors all around the world for almost five years. Good friends, pastors, and podcast partners, Jeff and Johnny. This is the 200 Churches Podcast. My name is Jeff Cady. I am here in an opulent and luxurious sound studio with my good friend, fellow pastor, podcast partner, and all-around great guy, Johnny Craig. Johnny, you know what? One of the things I wanted to tell you was, I am so tired of projecting. <laughs> why do we have to, why do you force me to project? Why can't I just use my normal voice like this? You know, Jeff, you want people to believe that you're really feeling the content, and that requires kind of a radio voice. So I have to put my podcast voice on. <laughs> I mean, can't I just be like NPR where you get really close to the microphone and you talk in hushed tones? This is 200 churches today. The, I mean, wouldn't that be better? I but, would love us to... <clears throat> sorry. I would love us to think about a whole episode in... NPR voices. And I don't think I could ever do it. I definitely couldn't so, do hang, it. So hang on, i got to switch to my, my podcast voice. <clears throat> Johnny, it's so good to be with you here in this new podcast sound studio. It's great. Yes. That's what that's my office. Yeah, that's what it is now. It's the you know, you still got this studio. lamp. I've always, I've always treasured and envied this lamp. It's a great lamp, man. I think, you know, you don't care as much about it as I do. <laughs> You don't love right? it. You don't love it as much <laughs> it as I do. It doesn't mean as much to me. This lamp, I really, I really like this lamp. I, I, I'm sorry to hear that, Jeff. Yeah, you're sorry. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm sorry to hear that you're sorry. <laughs> okay. Well, thanks for listening today to the 200 Churches podcast. So today, Johnny, we've got a guy named Miller. It's yes. Miller time. It's it is Miller. I think, I think it's you Miller sing time. the song. I think you sang the song on this. No, I don't know the song. The Miller oh, time song. If you've got the time. We've got the root beer. We've got the beer. Miller beer. <laughs> I remember right. that from being a kid. I had to Google that when we got done with this conversation. Oh, and you heard it on YouTube? And I YouTube? was like, oh, look at that little jingle. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, okay, truth be told, I've never had a drink. You've never had exactly. But I remember the Miller beer jingle. Let right? me tell you something. If you ever choose to have that drink, don't have a drink of Miller beer. It's not. No? It's never Miller time. Okay. That's the it's truth. Never. <laughs> Except for now, Johnny. It's Miller time. Dave Miller. From leadershippathway.org is joining us today. Hey, doesn't he, isn't he all about placing people, the right people in the right churches? Man, that's, Dave is passionate about staffing churches. He's passionate, and specifically what I really heard in this conversation, I think our guests will, or our listeners will hear, is that he's passionate about the next generation of church leaders. And that's an issue that obviously we hear a lot about and Tom Rainer puts out 72 blogs about per year about the next generation of leadership and how many guys named Arlen are dying this year and leaving their pulpits and there's no kids named like Caden coming up to take them. This is what Dave Miller 
deals with. Wow. Did you all follow that? (laughs) Yes, I followed it. I was afraid he was going to start criticizing uh, our dear friend Tom Rayner. I didn't say a bad word about Tom Rayner. I just said, I mean, I mean, Tom Rayner. Yes, Come Tom. on, you know it's Thom Rainer. Thom Rainer, yes. Come on, let's yes, just yes. get past that. Thom on leadership. So anyway, so he is passionate about seeing the next generation of church leadership coming through and about, yeah, about making matches between churches and staff people. And we were talking before um, we jumped in here, Jeff, about how could this affect a pastor? You're listening right now, and you're in a church of 75 to 100 people. Maybe you're in a church of 25 to 50 people. You know what I'm saying? Or you're in a 200 church. Yeah. And you're thinking, how does this affect me? I think that it could affect you if you are uh, ever considering making a transition. Maybe you are looking for a new job. You're looking for a next step. You're looking to move. Maybe you're looking and you're interested in finding uh, uh, an intern or as they call them at Leadership Pathway, a resident, and you're interested in developing someone in that way, I think this episode would be helpful for you as well. Maybe you're interested, your church has come to a place where you are ready to add a little bit of staff, part-time, full-time, whatever. This is going to be a helpful episode for you in that way as well as you hear what Dave has to say and share his heart. So uh, don't think because we're talking about staffing that it doesn't have anything to do with you. At some point, you will need to make a staffing decision, either adding or subtracting in your church. You'd be the subtraction is what I'm saying. And, uh, and this episode will be helpful to you. So here it is, our conversation with Dave Miller. Dave Miller, good to have you on the podcast today. Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself to our listeners? Oh, it's great to be here, Jeff. Um, I'm sitting in Denver looking out this huge glass window out at the Rocky Mountains. Yeah, I'm here, and uh, my wife, Kristen, is on staff at a church here doing operations and first impressions, and now I'm the spouse of the church leader. I continue to work alongside with a group called Slingshot that does a lot of staff search and placement for churches, as well as I've got a, a nonprofit called Leadership Pathway that's kind of a sister to Slingshot, which helps churches begin residency and take internships to another level, and then still traveling and coaching and helping churches like I've been doing really for 13 years after ending ministry. So that's that's where I am, and that's what I'm uh, involved with these days. So this leadership pathway, is it with is it with an organization or, or a group or denomination, or is it just you? That is the, that is the organization. We about 18 months ago, after talking a couple of years, and I kept trying to get other people to do it, and um, other people would say, that's a great idea. Someone should should do that. And so that mm. led to us doing, uh, you know, forming the board and getting all official. And and so I've got a team where it's all volunteers at this point, um, nights and weekends and helping when we can help. And, and there's, there's a bunch of us actually in engaged in doing it. And uh, all over the country, we have churches from Fort Lauderdale, Florida to the Bay Area of California, about 20 locations at this point and growing. And, uh, and it, does, it did come out of my, my time in higher ed, working with a small Christian university and just helping students do residency better and helping churches. And so we're kind of taking it beyond just one college at this point and 
and seeing where the Lord would lead, you know, and, uh, and, and so, so what's the, what's the mission statement? Like if boil it right down, what uh, are you trying to accomplish with that organization? We, we partner with individuals and churches and those that feel called to ministry to help, uh, help people take really healthy first steps into ministry. And, um, so this is not really, it's not a gap year program. It's not for the college kid that really doesn't know what they want to do. I mean, the students that we're uh, interviewing and vetting and finding have cleared all those hurdles. They want to do local vocational ministry. And so when church, either, either we start with the church and they're, they've been talking about this uh, for a while, and they need a framework and a plan and some coaching and some help to get going. And sometimes we start with the student. Students find us, and um, through networks of just the last dozen years of consulting and coaching and working with lots of people, um, those of us that are engaged in it, we start with the student. Where do you want to be? Uh, last week, I was on the on the phone with a kid up in Youngstown. Ohio, he's at the State University there, leading worship, studying at his um, at his university, volunteering, had been on our website, read some blog posts, and uh, so he has to stay local. Other students are moving cross country because they're online at Liberty or they're online at their uh, denominational university, and we're helping find uh, churches and find students and match them together. In essence, it's a lot. It's a lot like uh, it's a lot like head hunting at a really low level, if you want to say it that way. It's not. Mm-hmm. We're not looking for the veterans. We're looking for the people that are clueless and don't know what to do next, and then partnering them with a with the right kind of situation. So, so, so I'm thinking about the in the small church. Yeah, a small church pastor has a student right yeah. who comes maybe back from Bible college or wants to get involved in some way, but really wants to get into an internship of some sort. Yeah. Would that be the kind of a situation that you could help with? It would be. And uh, most Bible colleges or seminaries, you know, they have some level of field learning for their degree, you know. Um, and so they can get that along uh, at the same time they're doing the thing. It's parallel tracks, you know. Ours we, we tend to start on the idea anyway that it's about two years. It's a two-year walk, and we see lots of uh, great examples of things that happen in that second year. So it's longer than a summer or just a semester. Many times when I'm on the phone and I'm talking to a senior, and they're, you know right now is the hot time, for example, at this group Slingshot, and uh, college kids are hitting our website, and I'm talking to them. And they've done a summer at one church, and they did a fall at another church. And when I say to them, oh, I wish I could have met, you know, you're two years away, really. Your education's great. You know, they were a 4.0 student. But but it's like a two-year journey to get ready for where you're going to go next, which is why I love meeting them. I think I say to all of them, I wish I could have met you when you were a sophomore. So we're working with students still on, you know, they're still in undergrad, they're online or they can be post-grad or in seminary. And so kids are all over the map. We vet them pretty hard, you know, on the front end with interviews and references and things. And then once they're placed, we have uh, 
some competency coaching that we help the staff leader at that church with and how to have developmental conversations. So these residencies, mm-hmm. I mean, how, how long do they go? What are, what are, what are students or uh, potential ministers signing up for when they get involved in this? Yeah, they're signing up for two years. And then I have to add any you know, great student in a great location. I mean, of the five dozen or so that I've seen go through, mo- most are hired at the 18-month mark. Most are uh, in the undergrad setting. I mean, they're, they're flying back to walk um, already employed um, because the church isn't going to let them go. If you put up with, you know, put up with a resident for a year, and you agree to right. keep them. Let's let's go a second year together. The second year is where all the great stuff happens. It's where the good the good comes out as well as the bad. You know, the bad characters, the, yeah. the long curve of personality difficulties and and deficiencies in character. The good part is, is you as the you as the church leader, you start letting the leash out. They're creating space. They're doing things. You're trusting them more. And at some point in that second year, that student goes to their supervisor, asks them for a reference to put on their resume. And I mean, consistently over and over, the supervisor is saying, what do you what do you mean, resume? You're leaving. (laughs) You know, let's talk about this. I would say it sounds when you're you know, when you're 20, 22 years old, a two year commitment sounds like forever. What what are the what are the financial implications for a church that is yeah. entering into residency? You know, uh, yeah. so I, this idea sounds great to me. Yeah. I have a church here. Yeah. We got about you know seven hundred people, uh-huh. seven hundred members. What what am I committing to financially? Because sadly, this world we live in, we got to sure. talk brass tacks. Sure. Um, to get into something like this, what we're doing. I mean, for the resident, it's all over the map. I, I've known residents that okay. they raise money and pay to be there. Okay, that would be like some extreme examples of uh, wow. you know some some churches you've heard of that you know two hundred students apply for ten spots, things like that. And the and the student is actually raising money like they would to go to YWAM or something to go on the church staff and then be a resident. Well, that's what they would do at your church, Johnny. I mean, once they hear you're one of the staff members. <laughs> I'm be banging down the door. I, I, I'm not going to be able to keep them away. Yeah, whatever day this airs, I'm sure they'll line up, you know, around the block. Um, <laughs> others, m- most, I would say, it's 150 bucks a week. It's um, something, you know, give or take 50 bucks. It's a host home. Uh, which people raise eyebrows out and think that's weird. And then you say, well, like a foreign exchange student. And so we have doc, we help churches if they need help in that really big churches who've done it or, or they have a, you know, HR people or documentation already. They're, they're normally on their own and they're good to go. And churches that don't, I've got all those documents to make things legal and some coaching helps even for the family. Cause I, I mean, I mean, part of it for the student that's out of town with today's millennial, honestly, part of the development is the house they're going into, how to live with other people. 
And so I know residents that uh, for what, you know, the financial situation they're in, they are working as many hours as the church will let them. They don't need another job. Maybe they're online or they're, uh, you know, taking night classes or something. So, Dave, this is uh, this organization is called what again? LeadershipPathway.org. Okay. And then Slingshot. T- tell me about Slingshot. Slingshot Group has been, we're in our 11th year. Um, uh, churches in virtually all denominations, coast to coast, in all all positions at the church. When a church has tapped their own network, uh, their denomination, they've paid. You know, they've posted on church staffing. They can't find uh, n- uh, the staff. N- normal, normal is a church is calling or contacting us. And they've been in a six or nine month process. They had 80 resumes or whatever they started with. They pared it down like we all, we like like we've all done. They fly three to town. None of them, for whatever reason, have worked, and they don't know what to do. And they and they call Slingshot, and so we go in and do assessment, and we start searching. We did a hundred and uh, it's about around 150 last year placements. Most of us are involved in, in certain things. Most of us have done ministry a decade or two, and we are, we've been running around doing, doing coaching and consulting. So this idea of, you know, most of the time, I think we can find candidates that other churches can't find. In the slingshot conversation, the younger the candidate, the number one thing I'm looking for is length of stay. And, uh, Man, for the students that are that come out, even of not just grad school, but undergrad, no matter really where they've majored, if they've had two years at at a at a good church with a great reference and a developmental path and stories to tell of ministry, man, we've we've put those kids right into the slingshot pipeline and placed them. I was gonna say I believe that. I I mean that doesn't surprise yeah. me. I, I remember yes. Once upon a time, applying for, I mean, it felt like 800 ministry jobs from California yes. to New Mexico uh-huh. to New York. And not, I mean, there was times where you didn't even get an email response. And at that point, my sure. ministry experience was, um, you know, interning at a church plant. So I'd never been on staff yeah. someplace. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was in seminary, but, you know, didn't have a whole host of experience. And it is... Yeah. I mean, it is hard to find a job in that type of situation. And eventually I found a job through personal connections with a man yeah, named right. Jeff Katie, you know, but without Jeff, yeah, sure. I'm still, I'm still working in a bank. Yeah. And so, yeah. um, it, it, I'm, I'm resonating with the story that you're telling me about young people getting into ministry. I don't think it's any different. In, at one aspect of what's going on in culture, you know, business major, state university, where's he, you know, the, just pick up, pick up a newspaper or LinkedIn or, and start reading. Um, and so they go on to grad school. They don't know what to do, right? Living in mom and dad's basement or whatever. And the church is just a smaller reflection of that at some level. I would say for the last decade, I mean, I haven't been to Alaska and Hawaii yet, but the other 48 states I've been in working with churches. And it feels like every church that's advancing, they're growing, 
They're reaching lost people. They're trying to disciple people. Um, they're caring for widows and orphans. You know, uh, it's a healthy, healthy, good place to be. Those churches are building on. They're launching campuses. They're planting churches. And most of the time, the con- no matter why I was there, the conversation came back to a people help us find somebody to do. We would we would launch that site if we could find the campus pastor. And it feels like there are thousands of churches looking, and there are hundreds of candidates. You know, uh, yeah, yeah. And it's kind of like remember in, remember in grade school the matching quiz where you drew lines from number one in the left column all the way down. And that's what it feels like to me. And there are many times when I'm just like, wow, if that guy would have gone there and that guy would have gone there and the team fit and the chemistry and the DNA. I mean, my number one, every time I'm talking to a church, I'm talking to them first about hiring from within. Is there someone here? When I'm talking to a candidate. I'm talking to them about staying put where they are. Once we go by those questions, though, now what? What's the next best step? And I guess for me, I, I have memories of hiring the wrong person. Uh, I was 25 once and hired a super old 35-year-old and had to <laughs> fire him. Yeah, had to fire him within a year. Wow. And I remember, yeah, I mean, I'm, I was young doing that. And I remember thinking, I don't want to ever have to go through this again. And I remember being, uh, you know, a decade later making a cross country move and I would have verbalized in the second week that we had made a mistake and I couldn't believe it. Like it just wasn't what I thought it was from the outside and navigating that stuff with a trusted third party. I, you know, through the slingshot piece uh, I think it's a great benefit um, to both to both sides. Honestly, trying to trying to see through it all and ask the difficult questions. No church is perfect, and no candidate's perfect. Um, well, Dave, I was I was going yeah. into a church, literally moving in to one of the parsonages, and the day that I was moving in. I can't say that much out loud on the podcast, but the day that I was moving in, I had reason to think, hmm, mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. wonder, I wonder. And mm-hmm. I lasted two years and three months, <laughs> yeah. and that was, that was going to be it. So, so yeah. if we're talking to pastors of small churches, um, what, yeah. how many small churches do you deal with through Slingshot? And I mean, do you deal with many? Because I know that there's, yeah. like you said, some of these churches that are, they've just got this next generation that's figured mm-hmm. out the combination in their community. And they're just, you know, going and growing, so to speak, really right. making right. You know, a difference and needing good candidates. Mm-hmm. But do you do mm-hmm. much with small churches? Yeah, I mean, I um, was on the phone yesterday with a church of 200 here in Colorado on the far south side of Denver. I did a search with Slingshot at a church of 300. So uh, more and more, I think the size of church is actually dropping. That's engaging us. This used to be, I would say, uh, seven years ago, a decade ago, this was big church stuff, you know. 
back in those, I would talk to a church and when they would post online and get out dozens of resumes and now they, they're, they're just not getting as many. And I don't know what that's about. I don't have data on this. Um, so, uh, I mean, I did a search here at a church of 600 and man, a, a, a church on the front range of 600 that was young and energetic, they would get 80 resumes five or 10 years ago. And they said they had gotten 20. And, Man. and they go going through like church jobs or something like that. Church, church staffing.com, their denominational yeah. website, um, all of, you know, Denver Sem seminary here, all sure. of the Christian universities and seminaries. Hmm. And even when I have posted, I've posted some things on there in the last couple of years. And it's like, you get three or four names that day. But then it, it, it's like just the way that mechanism works. You know, people don't see you after it first pops up, you know. So I don't know if there's just – I know that um, Christian universities and seminaries are struggling in general. Mo- most, there's, there's some that are thriving. But I don't know if there's just fewer bodies. I don't know what that is about. But it feels like there are fewer and fewer people getting in. And then once you get – once you get inside of the 50 resumes or the 20 resumes, who those people are and just their lack of experience and where they're coming from, and it's it's slim. I applied for a college pastor job, 1,500-member uh-huh. church, growing, yep. growing yep. community, vibrant mm-hmm. community. Mm-hmm. Um, and – and I've talked about how the church I'm in right now. I was I, w- I was in conversation with two different churches at the other t- at the same time. This was the other church, uh-huh. great church. Yep. Uh, they told me that they got eighty some applications. They had yeah. winnowed it down to like five in the first wow. week, and they were flying two people out. When I got there, and I'm not saying this to my own horn, but when I got there, yeah. the first thing the pastor said to me. And, I hope he's not listening, was that other guy was not the right person. I mean, that's the first oh, thing wow. that he said. He's going to just say goodbye wow. to the other you know, guy that we were flying out. He wasn't the right wow. guy. <laughs> I'm thinking, oh, oh man. That feels uh, bad. Yeah. Make you feel and special? So, you feel special, Johnny, in that I, moment? I, were you... <laughs> but, you know, I, I did think, I thought, man, you can still get 80 applicants for a job, but, I mean, who are these people? You know who what I'm saying? Them, yes. I mean, Yes. What are they? What are they bringing? Look, yes. I love pastors. We do this podcast for pastors. I'm not here yeah. to badmouth pastors, but yep. there are some yep. folks that I would never in a million years give yep. a job to at my church. Right. That's right. And, you know, uh, you wonder if maybe it's n- not even an issue of how many resumes you get, but how many quality resumes you get at a right. certain point. Right. So, Johnny, they had 80 resumes and they ended up with you? They didn't. They didn't end up with me. Actually, (laughs) (laughs) well, okay, that's true. This is true. Here's what I'll say. I had. I could say I have four and a half years of experience at one church, Uh so I have staying power. You know, I could say I've launched ministries for college students, which I had done. I could say I've worked alongside a a team because you know we had a couple different people on staff. And yeah. I'm not sure how many people applied and could say even those three things. Those don't right. make me that yeah. special. I mean, we're not even getting into right. if I'm a good preacher or not, right? We're right. just talking about we're talking about, and I have a seminary degree. You know, like I mean, that's yeah. four criteria. You could knock 
maybe you can knock, you know, 80% of your resumes out just by starting there. Yeah. That's crazy. I would say um, at Slingshot, every 10, 10 people that reach out to me, we onboard one. And then of the ones that are onboarded, uh, we, you know, I don't know what the percentage would be of people that actually get placed in the next few months. But I mean, it's, we are going at it with a, with a fine tooth comb. And I would also say the downside of the, you know, posting publicly and things is you're, you're getting people that are looking right. And, um, I'm not saying, I'm not saying to not do those things. You know, if you're wondering how to find your next staff person, I, I'm not down on it. The Lord uses those things. It serves the kingdom. But we've all had a depressing Monday, a bad weekend. <laughs> you know what I mean? I've done it. So churchstaffing.com spikes on Mondays? I, I, I would bet it does. And probably our website does too. We Ours are all listed, the places that we're searching right now. Dave, you've been talking about staffing. You've been talking about residency. And we've yes. been talking a lot of nuts and bolts, I feel like. We're talking about you know, how things actually work, how much money we're giving people, how much, you know, what I want and what I've heard you talk about before, what I really want you to talk about as we're winding things down here is, is your heart for the church and how that's connected to your heart for residency. Because I want, I want our listeners, no matter what size church they're in, I want them to think about this idea of residency, whether it be through the leadership pathway, whether it be through a Christian college, whether it just be homegrown. I want them to consider that. And I want you to share your heart to try to help those men and women understand why. Yeah. Well, I would say, is it Andy Stanley? Somebody, some cliche uh, out there said, the things you're transformed by, you know, you become passionate about. And... I remember in eighth grade, my youth pastor, I was in a fairly large youth group that I I thought it was normal to have a hundred kids in a youth group, you know, and he took like six of us away to a leadership thing. And I was like a good, bad kid. The cops never came to the house, but I was kicked out of a lot of Sunday school. And uh, I think he recognized that as a leadership gift. And he took us away on this retreat, and I don't remember who spoke at this conference. I don't remember the theme, but I remember he was – I mean, it's frozen in time. He's looking at me and saying, you could do this with your life. You could be like Mm me. And and I rode home on the death trap church bus looking at the back of his head thinking, I want to be like that guy. And a few years later, a music – a uh, pastor was hired at my church and he was ahead of his time uh, for Lexington, Kentucky, as I recall, which means he only made it three or four years before they ran him off. But he brought drums in <laughs> the first time in my denomination I ever saw someone actually lead worship and not just sing songs, you know, on a Sunday mm-hmm. night with an overhead projector mm-hmm. in 1985. And I've got a lump in my throat and I went up to that guy at the end of that service and I'm like, I got to do this with my life. And he's like, well, come over here Tuesday. And so I played in a lot of really bad uh, youth group bands and then went on to school and went out and did ministry 15 years. When I began in ministry, I had a a mentor in my life who said, you should come uh, to our church 
he was a Kentuckian. And I think he said, I'm going to learn you how to do some ministry, as I recall. I think that's a direct <laughs> quote. Amen. And Amen. I, was, I was around two or three people, godly leaders, who kicked me when I needed kicking, loved me when I needed loving, right? Wouldn't let me quit in the first three years. I think the first three years, there's nothing more painful as a young worship guy than first Christmas or first Easter. Youth guys, you know, the summer, the first or second summer of camps and mission trips, and you think you're going to die, right? And I think if, if we saw the statistics of how many people quit or get fired in the first couple of years, uh, mm. I, I think we would be surprised. Um, so can we, can we take the best steps possible, not go to a place that's going to kill us, not, going, not go to a place that just wants uh, more from us than they want for us, and of all size churches, no matter the size church, if a, if a pastor leader says to me, we can't afford a middle school guy, can you send us a resident? To me, that's a red flag, you know? Hmm. You have to want more for them than from them. And I look back at these guys, and it's Mike, Saul, Andy. I mean, I'm, I see their names and faces. It's been 20 Five years, I still text and talk to these guys, and uh, uh-huh. they wanted more for me. Now they got a lot out of me too, <laughs> those first three years. But they wanted more for me than they needed from me. Um, as I was leaving, heading west, I think they all would have said, "Yeah, we didn't think you'd be here that long." You know, I made it three and a half years, and what I see in ministry students. Uh, and friends of mine and those, if you can make it through year three, you know, you're going to do this 15 or 20 years. But, but man, the kingdom, my heart would be, here are students, especially the Christian college kids, you know, undergrad and maybe a master's or an MDiv. And the internships, the prayer, the coaching, the student loans, the investment, the tears, and to go out and do this a year or two. When I've been to graduations, it's it's not the twenty or thirty grand a year. They're worth three times that. If you build out in the kingdom what we've put into these to these people, and then every day, no kidding, two or three phone calls, emails, video chats a day, churches that are great churches looking for a twenty nine year old, you know, like yourself, four or five years, six years of ministry. They've built something, Mm -hmm. and they cannot find. Uptight Lutherans to crazy charismatics, everybody in between. (laughs) And they are looking, and they can't find you. And that that drives me, Johnny, to to find the best I can find or find the ones who are looking, who who, who want a place, and – and help them do it, you know? I think what you said was so important that, that we would want more for somebody than we want from them. Yeah. And I think I think for pastors, whether you're looking for somebody or you're just leading the people in your church, we need to want more for the people in our church than we want from the people in our church. Sure. And if we, you know, if we had that as a mentorship philosophy yeah. and a ment- mentorship principle, that is awesome. So, Dave, thank you yeah. so much for for joining us and give us the give me the two 
quickly the two URLs again. Yeah, one is slingshotgroup.org, and the other is leadershippathway.org. All right. Thank well, you. There it is. Dave Miller, All right. thank you so much for joining us today. It's great to hear you guys' voices. Johnny, interesting conversation with Dave, and I, I like what you had to say in the intro to this episode about smaller churches becoming the training ground for interns. Yeah. You know, and, and he didn't he didn't necessarily address that specifically. He was talking more about how the churches that are using interns can sometimes move them right into a staff position. Right. But how about a smaller church becoming a place where somebody can get that one or two years of experience in a smaller church context and then be ready to move to another smaller church or another church somewhere else? Absolutely, Jeff. And as you say that, I think about uh, I think about our friend Dane who came to our church in yeah. Orange City. And our church in Orange City was anywhere between 150 and 200 people, okay, on a typical Sunday. I don't think in our in my five years there, maybe five times we went over 200. That was yeah, like right, where we were living. Right. And Dane was a college student the town over. He started coming to our church, and he, started, he wanted to get involved with youth. He wanted to get involved with youth. Well, I was happy to have him, happy to have his energy, his passion, and try to come alongside him and develop him. And he and I worked together for two years. Students loved him. I loved him. Dane was wonderful. And then it came time for him to make a move. And he was going to move to Colorado. And we helped him network through our denomination with a pastor in Colorado so that when he got there, he had another situation lined up to where he could continue to be working with youth. He could continue to work with students. So I think there's a networking aspect that a lot of guys, men and women, they don't understand when they're 20 years old how to network themselves. They don't have any access to that. You can help someone do that. And the network is a huge benefit to people. And now he's working full-time at a church uh, right near his hometown in New Mexico. And it's a beautiful fit. It's a beautiful connection. I couldn't be happier for him. And I'm just thrilled that he's got a chance to do that. And I think what a great opportunity our church had to help train this guy who has now gone on as and is impacting hundreds of students uh, right where he wanted to, right where he grew up. It's a beautiful thing. And small churches, we were a small church. Small churches can do that. And if you have a small church and you feel like you've got, you've got a lot to give, but you don't have that many people in your congregation to give it to, in other words, you've got more to give than you have people to mentor or to teach or to train, hey, how about bringing an intern, especially if your church is financially solvent, you have no debt, yeah. you've got some money in the bank, and you take a chunk of money and you give it to an internship project, and you bring interns in, and you mentor and train that next generation, give them, allow them to make the mistakes in your church under your leadership and under your protection and your congregation's protection and train them up and allow them to move out into a ministry location. So if if you've got thoughts about this, you know, connect with Dave over at leadershippathway.org. He's also part of the Slingshot group, but if you look at Dave Miller and uh, church staffing, you're going to find him on Google and send him a message. Uh, Begin a conversation with him if you think that you would like to do more in your current location but you don't even want to go anywhere. You're not looking to move, and you're not necessarily looking to hire, but you do want to have somebody that you can mentor and train and train up. 
Also, if you're thinking about training people up, even in the context you're at right now, they can be old, they can be young, they can be in any ministry in your church. We would like you to consider going to trainedup.church and checking out what they have to offer. They have a library of over 500 training videos that you can plug and play at your church, or if they don't have just what you need, they give you the easy tools and the easy steps to shoot your own video, what you got an iPhone, you got an Android, you got a... Uh, you know, whatever kind of pocket camera you got, whatever you have, they'll show you how to shoot your own training videos or use the training videos they have. You can make sure that people watch it. You can create follow-up questions that people go through after they've watched the video. This is about the only way that I know to guarantee a 100% watch rate when it comes to trainings. So stop pulling your hair out, pastors. Go to trainedup.church. You can throw in the code 200 churches, use all caps for that, 200 churches, and you'll get 10% off of their entire library and all of their tools forever, forever. It's a monthly deal, and you'll get 10% off forever. Trainedup.church. Thank you, Johnny. Well, hey, next week we've got another great guest coming on the podcast. I'm excited about this. Somebody actually from the Chicagoland area. That one, the, the church with the one guy. What's his name? That leadership guy. He's got white hair. I don't remember. Dutch. He's That's all guy. I remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So, <laughs> so, and this person, what, what is this person going to talk about? Remind me again. This is Pat Simo. I think I'm saying the last name right. This is Pat Simo from Willow Creek, and she leads the Special Friends Ministry. Now, I am, I'm excited about this, Jeff. I'm probably going to cry six times during this episode. Uh, people who have been listening forever know that I have a daughter who has Down syndrome. So uh, special needs ministry is something that's obviously very close to my heart. And they at Willow Creek were gracious enough to accept an invitation to come on and talk about special needs ministry. Look, I do not care if you have a house church with 10 people. This is an area that you should think about. Uh, we have a whole world full of people who are differently abled, whether they're on the uh, autism spectrum, whether they have a, uh, you know, something like Down syndrome like my daughter has. Whatever it is, we have a world full of people who need to hear about Jesus and who can love Jesus with all their hearts. And we cannot miss out on an opportunity to minister to them. So I'm already fired up, Jeff. And next I, week, I see that we're going to have, that. yeah, next week we're going to have them on and, uh, or her on, and she's going to share with us. And I could not be more excited. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, I look forward to it. And, uh, every week, every Wednesday, we'll be bringing you another episode of the 200 churches podcast. We hope you've been encouraged and inspired by this episode of the 200 Churches podcast. If you haven't already, subscribe at 200churches.com. And to access every one of our hundreds of past episodes, go to 200churches.com slash podcast. You can count on us to be back next Wednesday with yet another brand new awesome episode recorded and edited specifically for small church pastors just like you. So until next week, may God bless you as you lead and love the people in your 200 church. These are journeys of discovery. I know you a little bit, Dave. Jeff yeah. doesn't really, and his memory's so bad, he... He couldn't pick you out of the lineup right now. No, I remember, Dave. We ate at the Chinese he could restaurant. Tell you, he could tell you what he ate at the Chinese restaurant, but he couldn't tell you anything about you. No so, idea. Let's get started, and then uh, and then we'll be 
we'll just have a good time. How's that sound? Sounds good. How's this, Jeff? Is that better? I don't think it's any different. That's that can't be true. Uh, how about this? <laughs> what do you think, Dave? I don't think it sounds much different. Really? Because I dropped it like. You're quieter now. Yeah. There you go. You're quieter. Okay. Is that better? I think so. Okay.